Hello, everyone, a new episode of the B Podcast. Today with me is uh, Emmanuel Claire, more than two decades, two decades and a half in the energy sector. And um, I'll try to get the best in 30 minutes. Um, so welcome, Emmanuel, and thank you for joining me. Thank you, Ben. Um, Emmanuel, we had a chat on the preps for today's sessions, and you had a different take on what's going on in the energy market than anyone else usually talks about, which is, you know, demand and supply, how much oil, restrictions on fuel fuels, diversifications, green energy, and then we have the war in Ukraine, the impact on it, the prices and all of that. But you have completely different take as if no one's looking at the right direction. So I leave it to you to walk us through this idea. Yeah. So thank you, Ben. I'm not sure I have a such a different view it's probably more priorities or ranking so obviously i spend uh, as i spend my nearly days and nights uh, on energy in, in different formats being uh, as being as a trader or more in nowadays in startups uh, trying to uh, improve efficiency in different ways uh, obviously the war in ukraine is very important for the energy sector uh, OPEC is very important. Uh, the, the supply and demand is very important. All that, um, but even if you ask me a question of what is my view on prices of oil or gas in the next two or three years, I don't really know. Don't really know. Which, by the way, is not a problem. Even if you trade those commodities, it depends. You, you, you can play on different orders, and uh, you, you don't have to have uh, an opinion all the time, very far from it, on on markets to still navigate and and survive in those markets. No my in the twenty five odd years I've been uh, I've been working in the energy sector, one thing has struck me, uh, especially at the beginning, because at the beginning I was. Um, I was working on project on energy saving in uh, in electricity. And then I probably uh, took a path much more on much more standard uh, ventures about understanding simply supply demand uh, through trading. But a few years ago, let's call it probably six seven years ago, I realized that one of the the thing that was the most ignored by the market, and I would probably explain why I think that the case is probably more related simply to human nature, was the impact, potential impact of energy saving, energy efficiency. So if you, if you consider that, so it's not as if people were not making efforts. If you think about the incredible effort that have been made, say, in, in a diesel car, it's already a marvelous piece of uh, of engineering. the The first uh, steam turbine or steam steam engines that were built in the um, in the late 18th century or beginning of the 19th century had a three percent uh, efficiency. Uh, nowadays, your typical diesel car, even in a, not in an optimal mode, would go 35 percent efficiency. So you've really improved. Dramatically, and you still had before before diesel cars became quite popular. Um, uh, still, efforts being made, uh, but I'm more talking about jumps of electrification. For instance, what it enables, or the simple fact that you can not most likely, but certainly save a lot of energy without uh, constraining. Uh, 
depriving yourself of uh, most of luxuries of the modern life. G give you an example of why I started to spend more time, uh, money, uh, energy, and uh, I would not say sleepless nights because luckily for me, I, I tend to sleep like a baby, um, is that uh, electric cars uh, have a funny reputation. Some people will think that they're going to save the world. Let's talk about Elon Musk, for instance, which can be a bit extreme. Many others would tell you, ah, there's not enough lithium on this planet. By the way, the efficiency of an electric engine, electric motor, is already 90%. So why do you even bother? It's one of the things that I've heard so often, by the way, in my career is, as a trader, when somebody tells you, oh, why do you even bother? There's immediately an alarm bell. What? Okay. So clearly some people are annoyed that somebody's precisely looking at a few things. So when the, one thing that that um, rises my level of attention is that when people tell me, why, why do you even care? Ah, okay. So um, it's, it's probably more interesting to hear to look that. look at that one. <laughs> when somebody tells you, wow, that is interesting, you know, which is usually an understatement, an American understatement to tell you, are oh, you fucking idiot? You have no idea what you're talking about. But if somebody <laughs> says, why do you even bother looking at the things? So, so if you if you look a little bit at the entire electric drive of uh, of a standard car, if you take the motor, they tell you, well, that motor is ninety percent efficient. So when you're ninety percent efficient, by the way, a diesel car is thirty five percent. That motor is at ninety ninety percent efficient. How, how can you improve? Well, because that's not true. Um, yes, the motor in a lab under specific circumstances would have an efficiency around ninety percent. But put that motor in a car, then start cycling it. Hmm, that 90% maybe drops to 70%. Then realize something else. Hey, by the way, guys, are you recovering the energy from the brakes? Oh, yeah, kind of, maybe. Okay, maybe you can do a little bit better. That's another thing. My, when you say I have 25 years in energy, it's not exactly true. I probably have something like 45 years in energy. It started when I, start, uh, when I started cycling. Uh, so I'm, I'm in my early 50s now. So I started, um, so when I was say, seven years old, eight years old, like everybody, I would realize, okay, energy, how does it work? Then probably a little bit later, you realize, well, this morning, first thing I did, I, I went for a cycle of three hours. I thought, well, I want to be slightly more efficient. I checked the pressure of the tires was good, but I knew just by the sound that the chain was probably not optimal. So I put a little bit of grease on, on it. And you know what? Well, maybe it's in my head. I think I went faster. At least there was less noise. That, that's by the way, I will get back to that. <laughs> first noise. So yes, I went home. And uh, the other thing, so it's the entire system, the entire electric drive system. So now you would think, well, that's a bit obvious. Well, because if you, if you totally change the, 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 the way an electric vehicle is made, which has not really been done on a large scale yet. If you think about a Tesla, which is already a, a, a marvelous kit of engineering, um, it's not really a new concept. So Elon Musk bought Lotus and they are doing nice cars, a bit expensive and sometimes not that reliable, but it's still a standard car. Now, instead of having uh, and what they have done in general, what people tend to do at first is, 
copy an old version of a uh, combustion engine car. And then, well, you just, you do something that looks like it. Now, you can go way further. You can put the motor in a totally different place that could be in the wheel or very close to the wheel. Then you remove a lot of belts, which are the chains on a, on a bicycle. There's one thing any cyclist will know is, well, you lose energy in the best chains. So if you start removing a few things and more and more, you get more efficient. Because yeah, the motor may still be optimized. There's still some work to be done. But if you then start removing the gearbox, the gearbox first is expensive, can break down or consumes energy on its own. Because every time you put a device, it has some loss of energy. And then immediately you get, you get something first, which is lighter, more efficient. And then you tell the guy, you know what? It's not a motor that I have, I have a battery. Think, Whoa, How do you, wh wh what do you mean? Which is by the way, funny people say, but are you a battery uh, manufacturer? No, 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 you don't understand. When you increase the efficiency of the whole system at 10%, well, it's just as if you had a battery 10% bigger for the same weight. Or you can just say, well, I'm gonna have a battery which is 10% smaller. So other type of things I spend time on. And by the way, when I say 10%, probably the target of the whole efficiency of, uh, of a transport vehicle, you can probably target 30%. So you will genuinely save that energy for the same uh, output, transporting you from A to B. We see some people, I would say usually, uh, I would call them the, uh, the, the left-wing uh, left greenie, would say, yeah, yeah, but it's horrible because then you, you have a more efficient thing, people are gonna buy something bigger. Yeah, fine, but th then that's something else, you know. Um, yeah, some people will do it then, but that's probably then you would probably need some other intervention, but you can provide a service that is the same that will use way less energy. Now you think, why, why are people so reluctant to, um, to, uh, to at least do research in that direction, even though some of them do? Um, this is something I found in many... Uh, areas because I've been to different, as I explained to you, I started in construction and I went to a large utility, then in the banking industry is any incumbent would probably try to fight change. By the way, I have been in a position of some incumbency myself. You don't really like the newcomer who's going to tell you, well, by the way, what you're doing was good, but I have so much better. You're probably going to become irrelevant. Give you an example. If you are one of the managers, top managers of a large car manufacturer. You typically have a deep expertise in how um, combustion engine works, one way or the other. You may not be an engineer, but at least you know how to sell those. You will know quite a few things. And typically, if you are, say, in your 50s, you spend 30 years on cars, internal combustion engine cars, and they're quite specific. You know, how they are built, they know their you know their weaknesses, you know their strength. You've spent thirty years of your life. Yes. Somebody comes and says, "By the way, you should do an electric uh, an electric car." And but so your first reaction, okay, I'm going to do an electric car. It's going to look like the old one. No, 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 no. You should do something that is quite different. The architecture, the the drive in itself has to be quite different to be really optimized. Well, it's. 
it's not like being t- put between a, a rock and a hard place, what I found in those circumstances. You are put between more a pillow and a marshmallow in the way that there's, there's kind of fun or soft resistance, silence then thinking. So you would have the resistance, oh, that stuff will never work. That's the rock and the hard place. But then there is the thing is, well, are you sure? Not returning the calls, delaying things. Which, which you can find more or less everywhere. You imagine you've spent your entire career, sometimes you've become quite senior, and somebody tells you, well, either you have the choice, you have to relearn from, from scratch. We have found some people doing it. Some people I work with on electric motors have had their, their entire careers on, um, on internal combustion engines. One of them, the uh, guy I the most with, started probably as a six-year-old in the garage of his dad, uh, tr- trying to do things, uh, weird things with uh, with um, with old cars. And now in his late forties, well, when he's, he's just doing uh, going electric, this is rare. Most people would be conservative about their careers. For them, it's just standard risk management. So that's what I have found, and I think that. Over time, we will have more and more of that type of solutions. And as you mentioned, so this is the, the fuel that is probably the cheapest. The lowest hanging fruits are about energy efficiency. Because then there's another thing is part of the debate. So you would have the conservative forces, could be old engineers knowing what they've been doing very well, and they want to keep their jobs, well-paid jobs. Okay, it's understandable. Then you would yeah. have another part of the resistance, I would say. That, that would be maybe the marshmallow or the pillow, I don't know. Then you have the other part. Uh, that would be the uh, far-left greenies. They would tell you, it's horrible. We're all going to die in the next five years. And the only thing we can do is all jump on our bicycles and do maximum 10 kilometers a day on our bicycles. Thing is, well, I don't know. They might be right. But... Yeah, but this is why like to starve things out. Like the, the like the majority of the people today, especially politicians and and left um green, um all they saying, Well, if we starve the oil companies, we will just reduce our dependency in oil. But you, you had a different take on that one, I remember. Yeah, but the thing is, frankly, when people say you have to starve oil companies, I can tell you a lot of people in the oil business thought well, okay, why not? But they made it very difficult for people to do it for oil or to do refining. Look at what happened. Oil prices have gone up. So you, you, may, you may think it's Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, it's part of it. But prices had started to go up a little bit before. By the way, they're not that high yet. But on the refining, mar- refining margins, they have been exploding. If you think why, is, especially in the US, gasoline and diesel prices so high, essentially... There's not enough refining capacities. Yeah, guys, because you've closed down so many and you, you put them on maintenance. There's a st- COVID story as well, because a lot of maintenance could not be done during COVID time. It is being done now. But the idea, the thing that you could hear about, I would call them, yeah, thought leaders telling, well, if you stop them, if we prevent them from drilling or refining, they're going to they're gonna go bankrupt. And guess what? The oil industry has never made as much profit because you know what? If you restrict the offer from an industry that people still need, prices go up, margins go up. 
And so Saudi Aramco is, I think, well, close to becoming again the biggest market cap on the planet. It's because they've made a lot of money in the first um, quarter of this year. Yeah, why? Because our prices are high. Oh, but that guys, that's that's what you wanted. So it, then again, it's you are very often in front of well, be careful what you wish for. The thing is, okay, we're going to prevent investment. Okay, so you're going to make people who you are you're preventing from investing. You're going to make them extremely rich. The funny thing is, you legally so. Any type of market manipulation by, by restricting your own uh, offer or through a cartel in some jurisdictions would be legal. But by doing that, you're making essentially that increase in prices absolutely legal for the guest. You prevented me from doing my job. Thank you very much, by the way. So that, that's it. So, so you have those resistances. Then... There's something else I, I have explored and still explore is more the energy saving at a more local, uh, well, at a consumer level. Mm. So, and you would find the same type of resistances. Um, type of things of monitoring electricity consumption. So this is a, an area that has been studied for a while and you would have the, the company, the Honeywell, developing those devices, or you are Tony Fadel with the company Nest, developing those, those nice devices that are, that are improving things about, you just monitor your, uh, your consumption, and normally you will reduce your, your, your consumption. That works. My feeling and what I see in the different, uh, different tests I've been involved in is it can go way, way further. A typical commercial property, so that would be a bank branch, uh, that would be um, some form of semi-industrial kitchen. Let's talk about the McDonald's. McDonald's that are just closed down in uh, in Russia. It's a pity because we could have been testing so many energy savings over there. So the the thing is, as soon as in, in the modern world, most of these commercial properties uh, use air conditioning. So those premises, commercial property, that would represent a significant amount of, uh, of uh, electricity consumed in the world and, and growing. So you would have the residential, you would have, say, the commercial properties, yeah. and you would have then the uh, industrial. Industrial tend to have already thought about optimizing. There's probably something to be done. Residential as well. It's a different market. Uh, what we see is that by just monitoring cleverly, and indicating the defective uh, devices, you can save on average without that much effort, 30% of your, on your electricity consumption. It's detecting defective uh, devices. Why is it so important? So in most commercial properties, you have a condition. As soon as you have a device that is heating too much, and that happens in many places, so you heat and then you use air conditioning. And maybe your air conditioning is not that well adjusted. Maybe it works too hard with the wrong device. So it just balloons. So that's all the thing through monitoring. So this is tech that doesn't save the world because then you would have the, 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 the far left or the, the, the super greenies would tell you, oh yeah, you're just trying to save the world by, uh, by, uh, by technology. No, 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 no. I'm just trying to help. That is, if you reduce your consumption by 30%, can just tell you one thing, it's probably good. 
then obviously, yeah, but you're going to consume more. No, well, that's another problem. You know, it's like you, you are faced with a doctor, like, like a doctor. If uh, if a doctor cures me from a disease, imagine if gives me makes me fit because of uh, of whatever. So the doctor will not think, oh yeah, but if he's fit again, he's going to be drinking next uh, next Friday night. Well, it's not really that. You know, you you have to see yeah. yourself some form of a doctor. You improving locally. And then people have to be responsible. And by the, so now, obviously, with the energy crisis that is now hitting the entire world, probably apart from Russia, which seems to be the only uh, last place on the planet with cheap energy, um, that, well, now people would see, well, it's not about saving the world. It's just saving my wallet because energy has started to cost so much at an individual level for companies. And now for states, because obviously the bright ideas of many states, especially in Europe, okay, we're going to subsidize the energy. Yeah, this is why energy consumption is not dropping that much this year. Exactly. That's it. That started to drop. What we see at the time is roughly gas consumption in Europe has dropped 6% versus where it would have been without uh, the increase in prices. You would argue that that 6% is likely to grow because simply it takes time. So you cannot just say overnight, okay, I'm going to switch that. The problem that, say, 6% is part of it is some companies simply going under. So the most energy intensive. So it's not really, you not gain efficiency. You're just, just closing down. And instead of doing your fertilizers in Europe, you're probably doing them, well, supposed to do them in Russia. I'm not sure they're going to export it. But uh, at least you try to do them where, where gas prices are a little bit cheaper. But okay, yeah. It's just it's just because it sounds as if the efficiency is the hard game and no one want to play it. It's just the the, the exactly. yeah. It's not it's not cool because there, there are plenty of other things. Is you would have so I, I talked about this say the old engineer that that knows everything on diesel cars. Uh, you would have the imagine you are um, an electricity incumbent. Do you really want to play hard to save energy? Yeah, it's, it's nice. Obviously, you can sell that service. But in the end, you have at some, some stage to tell your boss, hey, boss, I have a very good idea. We can lose 15% of our of revenues next year. Whoa, that's great. How you do it? Yeah, we, we help our customers reduce their consumption. Yes, that's very good. So it's pretty difficult to get promoted in any organization by telling your boss, Boss, I have a way to reduce our revenues and hence our, our profits. It has to come from the outside. Why is Tesla an outsider? It could not really grow from, uh, from another big company. It, it, is, it has become a big one. So it has become an incumbent. Um, so that, that, that's really the thing is any, and then there's another, uh, another feature is if you start talking about energy savings, people either think that you are an absolute greenie. You know, I remember because I've been cycling all my life and people, when I was cycling to, uh, to, to, to my job in an electricity company, which had a lot of nuclear reactors, they thought, oh, you must be anti-nuke. Why? Well, because you, you love cycling. Oh, okay. No, I don't see the connection, but okay. If you think there is one. Um, and then there is the other problem is if you start, start talking too much about savings, people think that you are stingy. So you just think, <laughs> okay, you only thought, thought about the pennies. No, 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 come on, we have money. 
So um, that, that, that the thing is, one, one country, and it's funny because I'm going to be in Holland for the next three days, is one country I really admire about part of the energy saving plants is maybe you remember that when OPEC uh, did an embargo in uh, 1974 on oil, yes, during the Yom Kippur War, they particularly targeted Holland for its support of Israel. The reaction of uh, of the, the Dutch was interesting. Said, "Well, you know what? We're going to use our bicycles. They, they already had a culture of cycling. Uh, it's flat, but it seems that the, the wind is even worse than the, than the, the big slopes. So, whatever. So they decided to to do even more cycling. And obviously, well, it seems that the Dutch are, 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 are famous for being stingy. But then, you know what? That's what it takes. You know, if if you have to be close to your to your pennies to, to, to do the right things, why not? So, and guess what? If you start cycling, where well, you cycle more and more. Uh, well, before before this uh, this interview, I was just uh, had to do a, some form of um, COVID test. What do I do? Well, it's two, two kilometers away. Just okay, I Google it. Okay, I just off my on my bike. Um, on car would have been nearly impossible. Uh, on foot or on tube would have been very long. Yes, you do that. So you save money, you save time, and it's very convenient. It was beautiful weather. Um, so that, that all those features you have to. So it's important to look obviously at the numbers, but you cannot ignore the people behind it. And it's really a big array of people who are very different. And if you want to put a, a political color, which obviously would be a, a big shortcut, but you would have say. People that you would be considered very conservative, um, hard-nosed businessmen that are kind of yeah part of the marshmallow, um, then guys more on the left thinking, oh, whoa, whoa, guys, no, 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 we have to reduce. So it's kind of the the, the club of Rome of the early 1970s. We we need to de to degrow. It's absolutely it has the population is growing way too fast, and that we, we're all gonna die. Yeah, which is probably true by the way. Um, but the and then you have the, the, the guys who the, I would say the, the average dude thinking, come on, I'm not going to start save, saving a few pennies because that's another thing we have in uh, in some energy saving ventures is uh, some part of, for instance, the uh, the energy saving ca can be achieved in bank branches. Could be a, a typical commercial property. Now think about the worries uh, a bank branch manager may have. Energy savings is probably one of the last ones. He will care of not being robbed, so he'll make sure about safety. We'll have a few guards. He will probably try to have customers. He wants to be well, he wants to have customers. That's what he's paid for. He wants his employer employees to come to work. He wants to get promoted. He wants to have a good bonus. Um, he wants to look good. But and when you knock at his door and say, well. I can save you a few thousand dollars per year in your in your branch. You think, well, I've got so many other worries. Frankly, I have no interest. Then he's going to smile. He cannot say that. Obviously, he cannot say, "Come on, I don't care." But the thing is, you know what? That's below my baseline. Uh, um, so, yeah. um, so you would have those polite polite answers. Is very rarely a strong opposition. Is just guys, you've got other worries, which is understandable. So yeah. one thing, by the way, that 
I have seen changing a few things has been the, the strange phenomenon of uh, Greta Thunberg. So it's not like Marmites love it or hate it. I would think I, I fully respect that type of movements. And I think they have had an impact because now you would find a lot of those conservative dudes being scared, thinking we'd better show that we're doing something. And that something has to be not total greenwashing. It has to, to be relevant. So you have all the ESG thing that has to, to show something. And what we have found is when you install those devices to save energy, people are not in, interested in the energy saving. They're not interested in the money. They are interested in the ESG, the fact that you get the data, the fact that you can monitor what you're doing, the fact that you can show that you are doing it. So then, and it's our customers told us, well, it's not really the few thousand dollars per, per branch that we care about. Obviously, it's nice and it will be in my, but what we really care about is safety. When I talked about, for instance, if you are uh, managing a, a, a bank branch, well, you care about safety. Guess what? All those devices for energy savings, they can be turned into an internal spying device or monitoring device. It can be used on an extra guard because obviously it detects everything that's going on. So it detects defective appliances but it can detect other things if you want to do it differently. You can help the billing. You, you, can, you can really do quite a few things. Is When you start monitoring for energy efficiency, it's a question then again of, of serendipity, is that you're kind of walking around as flanner, uh, thinking, well, this and that, and suddenly something else comes out. Give you another example. One of... Uh, so, in another venture. So we sell efficient motors. And some of our customers told us, it's not really the efficiency we care about in your motor. Yeah, it's good to have, but you know what? Your motors are very silent. Yeah, of course they are silent because if they were noisy, they would not be efficient. Yeah, but what we really love with your, your motors is they're so silent. So if you put them on our boat, it's going to be very silent. What we really hate is the noise. So you have the entire thing of, if you, it's just like the, the bicycle that, that makes too much noise because it's creaky, it's rusty, put a little bit of grease, not only it's going to go faster, but it's going to be way smoother. You will, you, it's kind of, if you have, you, you, you can merely detect that, uh, that yeah, cyclist is going to overtake you because yes, some cyclists are sometimes way faster than me. And ooh, <laughs> well, sometimes you, you would overtake suddenly. <laughs> things, but for me, the, you have you have another notion of two tribes. You, you're probably too young to remember that uh, that famous song of Frankie goes to Hollywood about two tribes, about Russia and uh, well, USSR and uh, and uh, USA fighting. So you, you you would have those two tribes, aggressive or not, or silent, but guys, there, there are ways to do it. There are difficulties, not as if it was easy. But for me, that's really the thing that should keep the energy world different and, and busy in the coming decades. Obviously, it's important to produce things at a cheap price in an efficient manner, obviously. Um, but yes, it's full of... 
but, but Emmanuel, this one question that I've, I've got in my mind all the time, kind of thinking of right now, when when we have, especially the central bank raising interest rate, and if you talk about all of the companies that right now are involved on innovation projects to um, essentially looking at areas like efficiency, energy efficiency. So when the rate goes high, we basically, those businesses are cash hungry and they will have a hard time getting funding that they need it. And even this is like for the ones, the newcomers, but the ones that they have already projects on, online and trying to bring product to the market, they will face the reality of bankruptcy because they just they can't live to the commitment as the rate goes higher and higher. And this is what continue. It's like a vortex loop. If the price yeah, for energy continue, yeah. You know, interest interest rates are probably the most important thing in finance. Obviously, forget all the rest. Um, I. It's a tough one. Uh, let, let let's see. It. You are right in in the first leg for sure that. Low interest rates helped a lot the development of renewables. Uh, people started to borrow gigantic amounts of money to develop proven technologies on solar and, and wind. Um, you, they, they borrowed billions and billions, uh, tens of billions, probably more. I didn't count. But when you could borrow those very large amounts of money at call it 2% interest rate in whatever strong currency you had with only 20% equity put up front. If, well, normally that was 80%, well, 80% debt and 20% equity. You get an enormous leverage at, at, uh, so at extremely low interest rates. Uh, that has been a very large, a very significant reason for the drop in renewable costs. Very significant. The technology was improving, but if you think that, especially the photovoltaic prices used to be 15 years ago, we were talking hundreds of uh, dollars or euros per megawatt hour. We've dropped in the sunny, in the sunny places around $20 per megawatt hours. A large part of it is the financing. Now, the reason why it's, it's not that now interest rates are rising, obviously, you had you started to have um, negative interest rate. I remember that people were joking before they became negative and thinking, "What interest rate can become negative? Oof, come on, we're going to put our money in the, under the mattress." Um, that, that the thing, well, which is kind of what, by the way, uh, many uh, German banks started to do. They started to say, "Okay, give me the bank note." So you had people say, "No, no." Instead of having electronic format of money, which is going to cost me money. I'd rather have mark notes, which at least unless the rats eat them, which could be could happen, would cost me less. Um, so you had th those negative rates. And, well, Europe still kind of the case of very low interest rates. Now they're rising. Where I am puzzled is they are rising, but the difference between interest rates and inflation has been growing, if anything. Yeah. So then it becomes a question of infamous indexations. If you're a bit familiar with the, uh, with the, the, the infamous gas contracts that many European utilities have with Russia, they've been indexed. Yeah. Indexed on gas prices. Price so prices, yeah. Gas, which means that 
when Russia started to send less gas, they started to get more revenues automatically. But this is what utilities in Europe really wanted and demanded from uh, from Gazprom, and they obtained it. There again, be careful what you wish for. You know, plenty. It's it's by the way after yeah two and a half decades in energy, I always think, okay, I want that, but will it be really good for me? Sometimes you have surprises. True. So, so my point in this. In the specific case, you're absolutely right that the rise in interest rates he is an issue. What we had before was unstable, because why should you have? Why could you? Why could anybody be able to borrow at two percent enormous amounts of money with very large leverage for industrial projects which which are good but still carry some risk? And okay, two percent. That, that that's the thing. Um, now, if interest rates, and by the way, in Europe, they're not really rising. So you, you have really enormous gap now between spot interest rates, we are still than zero, and inflation rates in Europe at 7%. And, and Emmanuel, this is what leads me that the ACP is kind of holding back on this one, because they kind of, they, they are in worse position than the Fed and, and, and or looking at the energy sector because the U.S. could could um, not like a, a flip of fingers they have oil out because they've just been fighting it um, for the last uh, decade or so, but they are still in a better positions than in Europe. Whereas Europe, they have no alternative than having low rate because they know if they increase the rates, a lot of these energy projects will just will be un, un, unprofitable or unworkable. That is that. I'm not sure that there's another thing I've learned as well in my now long career is we should not be too focused on our own industry. I think there's a wider thing that makes Europe love low interest rates and an inflation that is not low anymore. It's um, it's a way to curl, uh, to destroy the savers and to get rid of um, public debts of uh, national debts. Mm. If you have like states, say most states in, in Europe, quite large debts that has been issued and financed at very low rates and can still be financed at very low rates. But at the same time, inflation is going, is going up. Uh, if you think so, a, a 5% uh, a 5% difference in uh, between the two makes a doubling in 14 years. That's kind of the rule of 72 to, to calculate it quite rapidly. Um, which means that automatically, if you stay as we are now, the public debts, countries like France, Italy, Spain, well, UK is a special case. Well, Germany even has some significant debt, even though they've been much, uh, much more careful. Just automatically that debt gets shrunk. Gets shrunk simply because of the money they were issued in essentially is worth less. Then you 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 owe money in something that is not worth that much. I think to that point there is something that is not that well known, uh, well not that well advertised, is the very the runaway inflation of the early 1920s in Germany seems to have been made up, manufactured by the uh, German state. You think oh, it's horrible that inflation. 
that made the industrialists who are uh, who who had debts a fortune. Yeah, they didn't have to pay it back. Essentially, right? You you, you pay it back in a, in in something that is that is worthless. So sometimes uh, that inflation versus the the borrowing rate being presented negative, which is now mm. we would argue insanely negative, is a, is important. The other thing to consider is. But by the way, those events of the 1920s in Germany and then with the link, is there causality or not? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, obviously, the uh, arrival of the Nazis in power, people say, oh, there's a correlation. There must be a causation somewhere. Maybe there is. But Italy and France in the 1950s, 60s and 70s had a very different view. They were letting uh, inflation run at a higher level than other countries. And then they would devalue, devalue the currency. Every now and then, quite regularly, the biggest um, uh, surge in economic activity. So you, you, you were talking in the 1950s, 60s, and early 70s of French and Italian and German miracle, which was funny because the three countries had ex- extremely fast growth, uh, catching up, obviously, and overtaking the UK. Uh, and catching up quite rapidly with the US, while having, so in the case of Germany, not that high of an inflation, but France and Italy had had an inflation that was a little bit on the high side, which was which was not disruptive in itself. Obviously, okay. the, the thing is, it's very difficult because obviously the inflation we have at the time is quite uncomfortable in the way that it is the symptom of quite a few things that have not gone very well. So you may have some labor shortage in some places. You have logistical chains, some issues, then energy prices are high. So you get all the things and people remove themselves from the workforce, maybe especially in the US. Um, Maybe after COVID, they decided, you know what, we discovered that we didn't really want to work those old jobs. So you, you, you create plenty of constraints. So it's not your... You casual inflation simply because, well, having five six percent a year is, it's quite nice. Yeah, the, uh, it it can, it it can get rid of all debt. So, then there obviously something uh, something else is I am not sure that, the guys in central banks are, that much in control that they know everything. Far from it. Uh, maybe one of the side lessons of the war in Ukraine at the time being is if you think that some people in the Kremlin that are supposed to be extremely well informed were clearly extremely poorly informed of what was going on, sometimes you start thinking, what does tell me that the guys in the central blocks are that well informed? Um, as a trader for yeah, for a little bit over 20 years, I have seen so many uh, large entities where sometimes you thought, they should be well informed, and you realize that in the end they are not. It's so see the there is sometimes loss in translation. Is that yeah the grassroots in an organization could see things, but by the time it reaches the managers, it's 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 a different message. So um, hmm. so is there a plan? The the thing is there might not be a plan. That's that the other thing is it's navigating, just surviving the day after. Obviously, that's, that could be a, a, a problem of democracies. You, you, you may have seen as well that Australia has changed again of, um, 
of government. Yeah. You know, the standard for them is having elections every three years. Well, you're not going to be a long-term thinker if you have to go to uh, in front of uh, of your electors every three years. So yeah, you're not trying to think, oh, I'm going to put a plan that's going to save save so much energy uh, in eight years, something like that. But I think I don't think in Australia is the case. They never talk about energy, saving energy, or getting rid. It's completely. <laughs> they, don't. they don't. Yeah. They, because it's not it's not something that will bring you that much sympathy. As I said, there are for me the three features is the conservatives tend to not like it because what well, energy efficiency? What is the business there? There's a part of energy efficiency where switch off the lights. Oh yeah, is there a business in telling people to switch off the lights? Not really. You can't really invoice. Oh by the way, you listen to my advice to to. Or hit your home uh, three, two degrees lower. Business is not really there. You just or drive less. Yeah, there's. It's like some guys are as well talking about the the, the business of um, of uh, good heating. Is simply telling the guys well, explaining people how to have a healthy uh, eating habits. Sometimes it's pretty difficult to make money out of it to tell the guys well. Eat well. Okay, thank you. Thank you. That's then. So you have that conservative fringe that doesn't necessarily like it. Then you would have the most, the more leftist fringe doesn't necessarily like it because that's a solution that they think. Well, it's suspicious. You know, you, you're just telling me that we have some form of solutions, but then people are going to spend more because they're going to be richer. Yeah, they're going to be richer. But then that's another story. It's like say, yeah, doctor, please cure me. And yeah, it's just I'm sorry. I'm in charge of, of trying to help your health. And then you have the third element. Uh, most people don't want to look uh, stingy when, or, or, and then have other things to do. Is that sometimes modern world makes that you're busy doing probably too many things, especially when working, working on Sundays like you. <laughs> I should I shouldn't write this. That's not really the best efficient way. <laughs> but at least at least I'm when I um if if I'm not shooting the video, my lights are off and and my my window are big, so I'm using a bit of the uh, daylight. So that, I think I'm inefficient on that one. Yeah, it's the only sunset in uh, in Krakow. I see. We still have a very good sunshine in London. Okay, cool. Thanks, Emmanuel. Thanks a lot for joining me today's session. A lot of yeah. good stuff, and and I really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, um. I'll keep an eye on what you're doing. I think that's quite impressive, especially in terms of talking about efficiency. And I agree with you. That's that's the low-hanging fruits. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Ben. Bye. Bye-bye.